Monday, and that so happens to be the day that I like to talk about monsters. Hello and welcome to Monster Mondays. I'm Jeff Arbuckle, co-host of the Film Seizure podcast that you can catch each Wednesday morning at filmseizure.com or at a number of podcast providers online. We're going to go a little easy the next couple of weeks as I put the wraps on a couple of series. This week I'm going to bring the Yokai Monsters trilogy from Dai Film to a conclusion with 1969's Along With Ghosts. These films are not canonically linked to one another, so there's no reason why anyone couldn't watch any one of these movies and feel like they you know, really need to have seen the others to know what's going on. These are just tales of the yokai that are part of Japanese mystical fantasy folklore. While I'm sure there were books written about Jap- Japanese folklore cinema that would go into much deeper detail about the Yokai Monsters trilogy, as well as the um, Zatoichi films uh, that were also incredibly popular, as well as many more, including some of the Toho Monster movies, or say the um, Daimajin trilogy that I'd covered previously, my usual approach to a lot of these movies that I cover on Monster Mondays is to do a little bit of research through Wikipedia and other trusted sites around the web and, and mix that with my own memories or nostalgia. Now, of course, if it's part of a series, I might talk about what's going on with the series, the production company, or how the movies were being received, etc., However, it's been hard to get a whole lot of information on some of these Dae films as they were, I don't know, mostly just kind of squirted out as, I don't know, kind of cheap entertainment. Um, but I want you to know that these are not poorly made movies. However, when you have movies like, you know, what Akira Kurosawa was making at the time, just to throw out a name there. Those have a, those get a lot more attention and exportability. Now, I'm sure there are several Japanese cinephiles and books in Japan written about the mid and lower tier films that were being made at the time. But over here in America, while there are many fans of these types of Japanese monster films, samurai films and the like, um, they aren't quite as popular, nor were they selling out movie houses when they were exported over here. Um, so a lot of what I do with these types of movies on this show is almost get like an unfiltered direct experience and impressions of these movies. Now, if I hadn't seen a particular Godzilla chapter in a while, I might be able to pull up the wiki page for that particular movie and learn about struggles behind the scenes or different versions or the intentions of the movie, etc. I will often see how the movie was received. That can, no matter how hard I try to be as absolutely unbiased as possible, color some of my viewing experience and i may find myself focusing on particular things about the acting or the production or whatever that maybe i normally wouldn't so while i only uh use the bare minimum to uh purchase the yokai monsters trilogy and then ultimately feature them on the show um, I, you know, and the bare minimum being just like, oh, reading a little bit about the listing that Arrow put out when they released this trilogy um, and, you know, maybe seeing a preview or something 
I will admit that I've had a blast seeing these movies. The various monsters that make up the yokai population in these movies are really entertaining and sometimes really strange. But the movies are never boring or bad. Um, they've been interesting from a pure outsider perspective. Um, I had no idea what the yokai were, uh, but it's a big folklorish cultural thing in Japan, and it's neat. Um, I've had a chance to really expand my horizons, and I hope I get to see more movies that allow me to expand them even further as Monster Mondays continues and as I continuously kind of seek out these Japanese-made uh, folklore tales like this. But let's talk about this movie, and, uh, and if I'm being honest, this one is surprisingly kind of dense for a 78 minute chase film but the movie starts uh pretty dang appropriately i mean the credits show us a spooky fog-filled forest and what do we hear well we hear ghostly laughter cackling away in any movie that has monsters and or ghosts in the title um i would expect it to open this way um but as the movie proper begins we meet an old man who is praying at a memorial for fallen loved ones and other things it looks like there's like a little uh for a lack of a better term a um, uh, like a shrine set up next to this tree now a group of men are planning to ambush someone and what the old and basically want that old man to to get out of there to hit the bricks but the old man warns them that if they spill blood here in this particular part of the forest uh they will call a curse upon them and uh you know basically the old man is kind of a protector of the of the sacred lands and he warns that spirits from all over japan will gather here now, the group does not heed the warning and ambush the two men that they were waiting on. And when the old man tries to stop them, the main boss kills the old man and demands the man, that uh, his men, um, you know, basically surround, you know, the guy that they were there to ambush and to hand over this really important document to these ambushers. Now, with his dying breath, the old man says a curse that will be visited upon the leader of the gang and everyone else, but uh, the gang kill the two men they ambushed and grab the document. As they look that over, one of the gang notices that the old man has escaped. He's basically crawled off someplace. However, when the gang's boss says uh, to basically toss the dead men's bodies into the swamp, that document that he was willing to kill for begins floating out of his hand and on its own until he's able to recover it. Uh, he believes that, uh, you know, he stashed it in his tunic for safekeeping. But after a little while, they've walked on and he's realized that it's gone. When they return to the place where they uh, did the ambush and killed the other two guys, they find a little girl who the who the boss believes has the document on her. But uh, the girl does indeed have the document and the gang chase after her only to um, not realize that before they really started chasing her, she's dumped that document on the ground. A bright flash of light temporarily blinds the men as they uh, chase the girl 
And again, the document begins to float on its own. The girl, Mio, is the granddaughter of the old man the gang killed. And he tells the little girl when she gets home um, that if she goes to a town nearby named Yui, there he tells her to find Tohachi. And that Tohachi is her father. Now, the little girl begins traveling towards Yui, and she meets a kindly boy who's maybe a couple of years older than she is, who offers her food and a ride, but she runs away. And he realizes that she's run away because two of the ambush gang are following close by. Now, they do catch up with her after a rainstorm, but she's saved by a man named Hayakotoro, who is uh, something of a badass and defeats them both uh, pretty quickly. He feeds her and decides to help her get to Yui to find Tohachi. Now, here's the thing about Hayakotaro. Uh, he's either... Um, something of a member of a gang himself, much like the uh, Haiguruma family who, you know, killed Mio's grandfather or has worked with them in some way. In fact, the guy that uh, that that family had ambushed was actually Hayagataro's boss. And so, you know, he works for that guy that was ambushed. So. But he does have some dealings and knows who the uh, Higuruma family is. and uh, But the family feels that Hayakotaro has betrayed them at some point. Um, but he's really just kind of a loner. Um, but one of the members of the Higuruma family grabs Mio and uh, he moves through a darkened forest and trying to take her back to his boss. But he starts seeing some pretty darn creepy things. Like, for example, a bird falls out of a tree and it's got snakes wrapped around it. Um, what he thinks is Mio on his back uh, hitching a ride turns out to be a pretty spooky looking ghoul who warns him that he's trespassed into the land of the spirits. He runs away scared, basically leaving Mio alone in the woods. But the next day, she's made it to the town of Hamamatsu, um, and she's still being followed by a couple of the uh, the uh, ambush gang. But luckily, the boy she saw on the road the other day realized that the two men are still after her. So he, along with a couple of other people in the town, helped Mio get away. The boy leads the two goons into an area called the Place of Eight Graves, where if they don't toss their blades away, they will be cursed by the gods. Of course, the goons don't believe the boy. And worse, they draw their swords on the little boy and demand that he gives over the little girl. Of course, that leads to a gust of wind, some fog, and some spooky skeletal hands to uh, extend out from the trees to spook the goons. Um, this allows the two kids to get away, and the goons come face-to-face with another ghastly ghoul and find themselves in an almost ghostly part of the woods that is soon littered with various spooks, ghouls, and other creatures. And the creatures help the kids flee and also lead the goons into a trap. And they are told to leave the place and never return after a fight with uh, those spectral warriors. Now, Mio and the boy get to Yui, where... Uh, and learn basically where they can find out whether her father is there or not. Now, on the road, Hayakotaro 
learns that Mio was likely led directly to Kanzo, the head of the uh, Higuruma family. And Hayakutaro says that he has matters to attend to, but after, he'll be coming for Kanzo. And in Yui, Hayakutaro learns that Tohachi left town years ago, and the word is he became Yakuza. The boy finds Hayakutaro and tells him that Mio was captured and given over to Kanzo. And surprise, one of Kanzo's goons is actually Mio's father. He learns of this when, she, when he tries to get the document from her, which she's never had this entire time, and discovers a pair of dice that her grandfather gave her to prove she was indeed Tohachi's daughter. He helps her escape, but he's overpowered and she's caught again. Now, Kanzo gives Mio a chance to gamble for both her and her father's safety using the dice in her little bag that she's always carrying with her. Tahachi tries to tell her that these aren't normal dice, but she plays, uh, she plays the game that Kanzo wants her to play nonetheless. And basically, she has to guess whether or not the dice equal up to an even or an odd number. And she guesses correctly twice, but Kanzo tries to cheat thinking that she doesn't really understand what she's guessing. So she still guesses correctly the third time. And Tohachi tells them that the dice were made from his wife's bones and they are indeed answering whatever it is that Mio is guessing. That's when the ghosts come to make good on the curse. The specters surround the boss and his goons, and the ceiling collapses in on them, or at least it appears to. Hayakutaro arrives outside and takes on an army of Kanzo's men, and after he kills the toughest of the men, the rest run off scared. He gets into Kanzo's headquarters and finds that only Mio and Tahachi are inside. Everyone else is gone. Kanzo and his men have run off into the bamboo forest with their, with their swords waving all around, and we find out that they are being hunted and haunted by demons who are making good on their curse. Unlike past situations we've seen, this time the spooks begin killing Kanzo's men. The spooks tease Kanzo with the document, and it lands in Hayakutaro's hands, and he quickly kills Kanzo. Now, Mio goes with her father as the spirits celebrate and dance in their forest home, having delivered vengeance for not respecting the laws that govern the real and the spirit worlds. But let's talk about the three things I like about this final chapter of the original Yokai Monster series. First, I love the sequence of the two goons chasing the kids in the uh, place of the eight graves. There are all sorts of different things going on here. At one point, they are attacked by the trees who have grown arms and hands to grab at them. That's really great. I always love good spooky trees grabbing at people. Uh, but it only escalates from there. Uh, they see a really scary ghoul demon who follows them with various other yokai. They are then blocked by really what look to be gravestones. Um, you know, like those big giant statues that often are grave markers. Um, and they ask for passage, believing that they are, um, I don't know if they believe they're speaking to the spirits or if they are actually being confronted by maybe people on horseback. It's hard to say. Um, and the statues actually turn into actual beasts when the people aren't looking. 
Next, the goons think they've found the kids, but the kids turn into faceless creatures, which is legitimately spooky. And then they fight those ghost warriors where they are defeated. It's a great scene in a movie that relies far more being on a little bit more of a drama about a group of criminals and a lost daughter than the other two films in the trilogy focusing more on curses and the the spirits that that kind of manipulate the real world and so on um it does make this extremely loose trilogy that much more interesting by making each movie basically tell a different story about the various folklore creatures in in uh, japan now second uh kajiro hongo's uh hayakataro is a pretty good character I kind of look at him in some ways of a, you know, something of a Han Solo type. He's not necessarily a perfect saint. Um, he seems to have had some run-ins with the Higuruma family. And, I mean, he's just kind of wanting to do his own thing and be his own thing. Yet the family knows that he's a pretty good warrior, too. So while he is doing the right thing with the little girl... It's not without some of the abilities and knowledge of how to fight, defend himself, etc. While maybe not part of the crime family, um, he's acquainted with some of them. So he's got some of that, I don't know, I, I kind of pick up a little bit of that scoundrel type of character feel to him. Um, at least through his own characterization of himself when he meets Mio. All of that makes him that much more of a character to kind of pull for. And of course... You know, he is really trying to help this little girl who is right now in this, you know, on this journey all by herself. And so he is doing the right thing and he's and he's being a good guy. And in fact, when uh, he refuses to kill her father, when he asks uh, Hayakataro to do so, he's actually kind of sad that Mio is going to go with her father um, instead of with him. And it really is kind of an interesting character and, and, and a character that I really did like. Third, I also really like the little girl character of Mio. She's played by Masami Furukido. And for being such a small kid in this role, I mean, I, I think she may actually be like seven or eight years old, like they describe her in the movie. She's actually a decent actress. She's not overly annoying like a lot of child actors tend to be and how some definitely are in Japanese movies. Um, she feels very natural in this. When she initially doesn't believe Hayakataro will truly help her, she has to do some thinking and what I like to call silent acting, where she's considering what he's telling her and then making a decision to go with him. It's not overly acted. She's not constantly screeching and complaining or being a pain to watch after. I mean, she's a good character and she's had it pretty rough. Her granddad was killed. Her mom died when she was born. Um, you really do kind of feel for her. And we get ourselves a little bit of a lone wolf and cub type of scenario with her and Hayakataro as well. But that wraps up this week's Monster Mondays. You can catch new episodes of Monster Mondays each Monday afternoon at filmseizure.com. And don't forget to follow Film Seizure at Facebook, Threads, and Instagram. And subscribe to Film Seizure to get both the Film Seizure and Monster Mondays podcast at your favorite podcast providers as well as YouTube. And you can also check out my website, bmovieenema.com, to read new articles every Friday morning. 
Next time, Monster Mondays finishes off another series that was much longer running than the Yokai Monsters. Um, when I talk about the Christopher Lee Hammer Films finale, The Satanic Rites of Dracula. So until next week, stay spooky. <laughs>